this is Pastor Frank at First Discipleship Christian Talk. I just want to welcome you. Episode 14, As a Christian Native American. This series of episodes are dedicated to evangelizing Native American Indians. My goal is to talk about some of California's history to bring clarity and myth-bust stereotypes, accepted Eurocentric storytelling, untold and suppressed information, and fabricated lies of history. My main goal is to expose the sin in order to forgive the sin. I want to make a statement about the timing of my episodes on this subject. I am well aware of the current climate of the so-called social justice and all the so-called movements, groups, and agendas associated with it. My podcast and episodes are not influenced by any of it. This would be no different if I was First Nation in Canada, an African in South Africa, or an Aborigine in Australia dealing with my faith in Jesus Christ and the history of worldwide European colonialism or imperialism. I don't hold all European Americans responsible. There are those families that enjoy direct colonial legacy in California over the last 200 plus years. This is my journey as a California Native American, a Christian, and a man. I first want to qualify the information that I study for these episodes. I think it's necessary. Why? It's because I don't want my listeners to think that I am making up pseudo-facts or cherry-picking evidence to create a personal narrative. Let me start with Spain. Spain. In 1452, a long time ago in Spain, in a land far away, a baby boy was born, Ferdinand, and a baby girl, Isabella, in 1451. The two grew up in a divided Spain, and when they grew up, they got married in 1469. They both decided that they would unite their country through the Catholic Church. This way, there wouldn't be an all-out conventional war. It would be a religious war. So they decided to institute a religious cleansing in 1478 called the Spanish Inquisition. Everybody who was not Catholic had to leave Spain. So there was an exodus of people like Jews and Muslims. A lot of people died in the process and wealth was confiscated from those who were expelled, forcing all of Spain to be Holy Roman Catholics. Forced marriages, confessions, torture, and coercion were to authenticate and prove Catholic conversion. This all led by Father Thomas de Torquemada. In 1492, Christopher Columbus and the monarchy of Spain made a deal. He would find a new trade route for Spain if they funded it. Columbus came across what is now known as the Bahamas, or what was named San Salvador. In 1518, Spain sent Hernán Cortés to explore and secure the inland of Central America, what is now Mexico, but named New Spain. But the situation changed radically, and it became a conquest by war, disease, and death of the Aztec Empire. In open mutiny, Cortes disobeyed orders to stand down, but continued to obtain 500 men, horses, and cannons to what is now the Yucatan Peninsula. He defeated all indigenous who opposed him. He worked his way to the interior and defeated the Aztecs in 1521. Three years after Cortes landed, New Spain was established and its capital was Mexico City. Much of the colonization of Central America was established from 1521 to 1697, completed by Spain. The Franciscans, Jesuits, and Dominicans of the Catholic Church established missions throughout Central America and New Spain. On a side note, I will say something about the Dominicans. The Dominicans were... I think the only ones out of the three that somehow, way, developed some kind of a, maybe a shame or some sort of conviction, and they actually wanted to help the indigenous more than the other 
priests or fathers like the Franciscans and the Jesuits. If you read the history about the Dominicans, they're the out of the three, one of the, those who actually wanted to do just a little bit more. And for whatever reason, it didn't really change too much of the final outcome. Spain's monarchy realized that war was too expensive for further ventures of colonization. So, they decided on another way, a cheaper way of colonization, a religious way. Since Spain was very familiar with inquisitions, the weeding out process of rebel Indians would be easy. The Spanish Catholic Church had authority over the established missions in the Americas and was determined to erase the pagan culture of the savage Indians to be good Catholics. Eventually, the Indians could become Spanish citizens, pay taxes, be servants, and a proletarian class to serve the monarchy and social elites. The religious approach using the church was masterful in comparison to the approach of Cortes. This is the religio-political approach to Spain's expansion. In 1539, Juan Rodriguez Cabrillo, who served under Cortes, entered uncharted waters past Baja California, where no Spanish ship had ever been before. And on September 28th, he landed in what is now San Diego Bay and named it San Miguel. Cabrillo wrote on what he encountered on his arrival of all the Indians he had seen. Cabrillo sailed as far as what is known as San Francisco Bay, encountering many tribes of Indians along the coast, including the Channel Islands. Back in New Spain, the College of Guadalupe de Zacatecas was built in 1707, amongst two others for priests who were to work among the indigenous in the Spanish colonial viceroyalty of New Spain. In 1768, Jose de Galvez, Inspector General of New Spain, decided to send explorers and establish missions in Alta California, what is now California, comparable to the missions built in Central America in New Spain. Galvez aimed both to Christianize the extensive Indian population and serve Spain's interests. Galvez chose Father Junipero Serra to head the missionary team in Alta California expedition. On July 16, 1769, Father Hinipro Serra, Paolo, and Peron dug a hole eight feet into the beachhead near the mouth of the San Diego River and planted a large cross. The first of 21 Spanish missions in Alta California, San Diego de Alcala. After doing some independent research on the official story of Eurocentric and European imperialism in California, I realized there are more archive levels of truth and details. Archives that have names, land acquisition, titles, deeds, buying and selling, trading, litigation, and confiscation. Information and details that can easily incriminate with written testimony of California Indians, white settlers, and others for liability in certain events of California's history. 1849 to 1859 was called the Bloody Fifties. 1850 mining towns had no law and order. Many died undocumented. So why are the archives not part of the public school curriculum? A single book on a single subject of California that contains archived historical documents, notes, memoirs, maps, botany, language, minerals, and much more can cost hundreds of dollars. Higher learning, as in universities and colleges, is another way to gain access to such information, but that requires money as well. To add one more to this clandestine information, Countries such as Spain and the Holy Roman Catholic Church archives do not grant access as easily as California historical archives do. It does not take long for the serious researcher that this information is handled with care and is not available to the average person. And, sadly, the average person can care less. 
I sometimes question how many documents or paper trails have been locked away or destroyed. Is this to secure the forward motion of progress? Because I'm sure this information would get in the way. One generation of a family would be about 30 years. 1850 to 2024 is about five to six generations. The colonial legacy of California businesses that are over 150 years old has directly benefited from the deaths and genocide of California Indians. This includes banks, real estate, retail, farming, metallurgy, production lines, transportation, hotels, motels, restaurants, saloons, opera houses, undertakers, hospitals, and much more. The American, Spanish, and Mexican government have selected social and political amnesia. For some reason, the indigenous history of California Indians is represented in the official story and is taught regularly in public schools as a caricature. Concealment is another way of lying. In closing, I have given a well-known official story of what is taught to high school-level children. One day, I will own the necessary books and have access to California historical archives, and I will write the history for us by us. What good will that do? Expose the sin to forgive the sin. Jesus said, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So I hope that with this particular episode, I have explained my position. In summation, the information that I have been covering in these episodes are the official story. My resources for right now is the official story. The source of this information is taught in public schools. All I do is question the official story. I question the official story against what I know from within my own family, being Native American, within other families that I know, with testimonies from people that have been in boarding schools that you could find on the internet very easily, oral history that has been passed down from actual people that have been in these missions that have been through their generations of families can tell these, retell these stories. And I think that the Native American oral history is just as important as the written white history. But if Native Americans knew how to read and write at the time this was happening, we would know a different history. As I said, and this is what I've been saying, expose the sin to forgive the sin. This is Pastor Frank. God bless.